0: in the vein of doing things differently, this is what we want to do this morning. I'd like to actually invite you out for coffee. Let's face it, here in Bellingham, we have a coffee culture. In Whatcom County, we have a coffee culture. There's a coffee shop on every street corner. And and we want to invite you into that moment. And when I say invite you into that moment, I really want to invite you into that moment. I'd like you to actually pull up this chair across from me. And we're just going to have a conversation. So I want you in your mind's eye right now to walk into your favorite coffee shop. I want you to hear that obnoxious bean grinder that happens always at the worst moment in the conversation. I want you to smell the smells. I want you to, 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 to choose. There you go, TJ, to you as well. I want you to, to pick your pour over or whatever it is that you happen to do. For me, it's an almond milk mocha. I don't know why. I'm stuck in a rut. I'm taking, uh, I'm taking recommendations today for a different kind of coffee drink, so send them my direction. I just really want to encourage you to step into this moment fully and go hey shane how are you buddy there we go quad espresso that's what we're talking about thank you shane i appreciate it pastor brian will pay this morning so um but we just really want you to fully immerse yourself because we've actually had a season of intensity over the summer In the face of all of this stuff that's going on in our world, we've been talking about the parables of Jesus. And in the parables of Jesus, we talk sin, repentance, end times, all different kinds of difficult truth. And there are times when I think it's important for us to just change the pace and to slow down a little bit and just have a conversation. So today, instead of me like preaching at you, I would love to have a conversation with you. Today, we're just going to talk. I'm always surprised when I invite people out for the first time to to have a coffee conversation. I'm always surprised at their response because they seem to be a little surprised at the fact that I love talking about normal things and most often when we get together i just want to hear about their story and i want to share a little bit of my story and i don't mind talking about the fact that the mariners are cheat are teasing us with a playoff run again this year and talking about the things that are happening in the news and our responses to those kinds of things and, and yet we always arrive at that inevitable moment when when they ask this question so grant why are we really here like what, what do you want or better yet, what did, I, what did I do? I don't know why I'm seen as the principal of Christ the King, but that question sometimes pops up every once in a while. And, and today, honestly, I just want to have a little bit of a family conversation. And we're going to blame it all on a friend of mine who uh, some while ago this so was sitting down for coffee with me. We were sitting in an environment almost exactly like this. And they asked me a question. My friend asked me a question that I have not been asked in 30 years of being a pastor. The question was not, What do you want from me? His question to me was, What do you want for me? As my pastor, my shepherd, what do you want for me? And he got my wheel spinning. And so I'm going to try and answer that question to the best of my ability today, but we're going to do it differently. This is just from my heart to yours, from friend to friend, from normal guy to normal people, from brother to brother, and from brother to sister. But I'm going to frame it this way. The Apostle Paul was a cantankerous little guy, okay? I've described him here before. He's a former hitman turned missionary. I picture him as a 120-pound Tony Soprano, kind of like, you know, Danny DeVito on a really, really bad day. He just seems to have this a bit of an attitude and an edge. He was small-statured, high opinion, truth-packing straight shooter who and this is how he pastored people. He had a whip in one hand and a warm blanket in the other. And there were moments when when Paul would light you up. If you loved Jesus and lived like it, Paul was your best friend. If you loved Jesus and did whatever, whenever, with whomever that you wanted to, Paul was your worst nightmare. Paul was a brilliant theologian and he could dissect theological issues with the skill of a surgeon or an attorney. He was absolutely brilliant. And over the years, I've spent a lot of time studying 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Now, let me give you the backdrop. The Corinthian church was an absolute mess. They were messing around sexually with each other. They were getting drunk on the communion wine, which is just like wrong in all different sorts of ways. They were fighting with each other. Everybody had an opinion. They were not being respectful of differences. Corinth itself was this moral pit. It was a horrible place, bad neighborhood, and it was not going well for anyone. And Paul showed up and just said, all right, right? knock it off this was his pastoral counseling model (laughs) you sin you suck you will burn smarten up that's how it worked for paul but then they would have these moments out of his heart he would share correction and then out of exactly the same heart he would he would soften and just share with his people what he wanted for them. Let me give you an example. Second Corinthians chapter 13, right at the end of the book. Oh, by the way, there's no notes or outline today. And the reason for that is, I don't know about you, but I've never gone to a, I've never gone to a coffee meeting with a friend and had anyone ever pull out a set of notes and fill in the blanks. So we're just gonna have to talk and listen, okay? Well, listen to what Paul says. He goes, finally, brothers, goodbye. Aim for perfection, listen to my appeal be of one mind and live in peace and the love of God and peace will be with you greet one another with a holy kiss you can interpret and apply that however you want to today I'll leave that with you all the saints send their greetings may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all Paul's telling his church this is what I want for you I want you to to set your aim high, knowing that God is the only one that's perfect, but I still want you to aim high. He's your standard. And then he says, I want you to learn how to let God love you. And I want you to learn how to love each other. And I want you to learn that you're not alone because all of the saints are saying hi in this context. And he says, I want you to to learn how, how God's grace is actually for you in this moment as you're trying to figure out your journey. And then he closes by saying, Jesus, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit are with you. And then he wraps it up with this statement. This is what I want for you. Peace with God and peace with each other. That's what I want for you. So I'm going to unapologetically rip off Paul's model today, and I'd love to share with you for this next quarter between September and December. We're going to do like the podcast live, and then the next week we're going to have a a little bit of some creativity with our worship, and then we're going to start a brand new series called Named. I think God has called our church into this series right now, but before we get there, for the next 90 days or so, this is what I want for you from my heart to yours I would love for all of you to start with the ending. Let me say that again, to start with the ending. For the last number of weeks, we've been praying for Pastor Sam Middlebrook. Many of you remember Pastor Sam was our big Texan who led worship barefoot for years and years. We've been praying for him. On Friday, we had really, really good news because they took the ventilator tube out and he was able to breathe on his own. That actually only happened for about 24 hours. We found out this morning they had to re-intubate Sam because he just got tired. Um, So we need to continue to pray. Sam was um, a very close friend. We shared an amazing bond here on the stage for many, many years. And I remember one day Sam was texting me and our conversations always went exactly the same way. The little blue bubble would pop up and it would say, dude. (laughs) And I would respond, dude. And then he would say, what's up? And I remember more times than not, I would say, sermon block, (laughs) really bad and he would respond back dude (laughs) and that's just kind of how we communicated with each other and i remember one time i told him i had sermon block and this is what he said he goes just an idea start with the ending like start with the ending and then he said i'll send you a song because he always had a song in his head and he sent a song that that said i wonder how life would be different if we just started with the ending I mean, think about it in the context of an argument in your marriage, right? You know, you're, you're disagreeing with your spouse and you're very passionate and you're arguing with each other and then you end with one of you saying, okay, I'm, most often not, it's the guy saying, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I was a jerk. I love you more than anything. Well, what if you actually started the argument that way? Hey, I know this is not going well, so I'm a jerk and but I love you more than anything. <laughs> I wonder if the argument would go differently in the next couple moments. Well, let's apply that to life. Dave, um, Sam sent me uh, the lyrics of a song from a guy by the name of Dave Wilcox. And he wrote this about starting with the ending. He said, so many things would go better by starting with the ending. I mean, if you did your life starting the other direction and started with the ending, you know, you'd, you'd die first and just get it out of the way. And then you'd be able to enjoy your retirement while you're young. Plenty of money, travel, and whatever you love and after a while you'd get bored with that and and you'd want to be useful you'd want to give something back so it would probably be time to go to work and the first day of work would be awesome because they gave you a gold watch and they would show you to your corner office and you're thinking man this is cool the money's even better than the retirement benefits were and you could do that for a while and you do but then you feel like you want to be with people more and you want a service oriented type of job. So you switch jobs and eventually you find your true calling at the pinnacle of your working career working at summer camp. And it's good. But but see now you're ready to give up on work because money's not that important to you anymore. And you're older and wiser now so it's it's probably time to go to college. And you get your money's worth going to college because you actually figured out some really good questions and you graduate from college and now you're ready for high school and as you go through your education, you find yourself learning simpler and simpler things till you're learning language itself and then you realize anything really worth saying kind of slips beyond language so you just quit talking altogether. And it's not a big deal you, because you don't have a lot to say. You're taking yourself a lot lighter because you actually are a lot lighter And when you decide this whole life thing is just too much of a burden, you make the decision to go out as the glimmer in somebody's eye. You see it's life well lived. You die first and just get it out of the way. Apostle Paul said exactly the same thing at the end of the book. But if we started with the ending, actually Paul's gonna say it in Romans chapter 12, John's gonna say it at the end of the book of the Revelation, which says this, the spirit and the bride say, come. This is at the end of the book. And let him who hears say, come. Whoever's thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. I warn every one of you who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes words away from this book of the prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people Amen. Christ the King, what if we started there? What if we started at the end of the book, the church and Jesus together, giving out living water to anyone who needed it? Let's start with the Bible, this book of the prophecy, and never go outside of it. What if we declared this book was more than we ever needed, and we started and ended with worshiping with God? I mean, what if we started with Jesus in his fullness, in his completeness, in his strength, in his power, I'm sorry I'm talking so loud, we're in a coffee shop, I should probably pipe down. (laughs) Paul said the same thing in Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will what does he want for us what do i want for you what do i hope you want for me that we would die first give our heart to jesus and then live free that we'd live free without the trappings of the world here's a novel thought what if we bucked the trend and made the decision to all be rebels And what if we defined being a rebel as getting a job, paying our taxes, choosing wisely, loving well, pursuing godly relationships, raising great kids, loving God, and actually doing what the Bible says? If we started with the ending. Number two, here's what I want for you. I want a more, a fresher understanding and more complete picture of God. I think we've got God completely messed up in our own brains. I've told you many times here before, I grew up believing God was either sad or mad with me 100% of the time. And I think many of us have have been pulled into that wrong picture. So a little while ago, I stumbled into an Old Testament story. It confused me. When I finished reading it, I'm like, why in the world did God put that in the Bible? Let me read it to you, see if you can help me make sense of it. The Bible says, and Caleb, this is Old Testament, said, I will give my daughter Aksa in marriage to the man who attacks and captures the city of Kiriath Sefer. Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's brother, took it. So Caleb gave his daughter Aksa to him in marriage. One day she came to Othniel, her husband, and she urged him to ask her father for a field. When she got off the donkey, Caleb asked her, what can I do for you? She replied, do me a special favor. Since you've given me land in the Negev, give me also springs of water. So Caleb gave her the upper and lower springs. I'm reading that book and I'm like, what in the world is that story about? That is just completely twisted and wrong. Why is a dad dangling his daughter out as some kind of a trophy for some guy that can take a city? And that's just horrible and wrong. You don't do that with your baby girl. It doesn't work that way. Why would God put that story in there? And then I went back to the last series and I thought well, maybe I should look a little deeper. Here's what you need to know. Trying to take for Kiriath Sefer, that particular, that, that particular city was a suicide mission unless you were extraordinarily brave and knew that God would show up and fight for you and you had the knowledge that God had actually promised that city to his people. The only person who would accept that challenge had both faith in God's provision and faith in God's promises. What kind of parent wouldn't want their son-in-law to believe in God's deliverance and God's promises? Caleb wanted a son-in-law who fearlessly exercised confidence in God. He wanted that kind of husband for his baby girl. It's actually a beautiful story of how a dad was making sure, oh, this guy that comes into my baby girl's life, he better know his Bible and he better know his God. And then the story kind of continues. It's interesting. Um Oksa actually goes to Othniel after he's captured the city and says, Hey, why don't you go ask my dad for some land? Because land is important. And we don't even get to see that request happen because the Bible kind of fast forwards and all of a sudden, Oxa rides up to Caleb or her dad and she's getting off the donkey and we see this loving father show up and he asks her a question before she can even say anything. What can I do for you? <laughs> Baby girl, what, what do you wish for? What do you want? Just name it. And it's amazing. She says, you know, you've already given us land and we're so unbelievably grateful, Daddy, but but land without water just doesn't work in this area. Otherwise, it's just a piece of desert. So here's what I would would love. I, I I need you to give me some springs. And the dad's response is this. Not only am I gonna give you the lower springs, I'm gonna give you the upper springs too. More water than you could ever dream of. The father in the story gives her more than she asks for. I wonder... How many of us ask God for things that are just far too small? I wonder how many of us are satisfied asking God for things that we can pretty much pull off on our own. I mean, what, what what's the number one prayer request we have as people? God, keep me safe. Wear your seatbelt, right? Put on a helmet. We settle for these Small things. What I love about Oxa is she asks her father for an audacious request God, I need a water source. And Caleb, her father, says, Not only, oh, baby girl, not only am I going to give you the lower springs, I'm going to give you the upper springs too, more than you ever want. Do you know what I want for you? You know what I hope you would want for me? That we would be the kind of church that would ask God for things that were outside of our control that we would have the audacious request of believing that our God is so powerful and so strong and so all-consuming that, it, that we could ask anything in accordance with his will and he would be open to saying yes. That we would ask God for outrageous things. There are some of you in this room, you've been married to somebody and they don't know Jesus and for 30 years you've been crying out every single day. My prayer for you is that you would continue to ask God to draw your spouse to a saving knowledge of him even though it looks like it's not anywhere, even close. And that you would ask simply because you believe that your God can. That your God can. What if we asked God for the audacious, the huge, the unthinkable, the unfathomable? That's what I would want for you. Listen to this in Matthew 7 and Luke 11. I'm gonna merge two verses together. This is Jesus talking. He says, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts and the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Stop asking for small, puny prayer requests. Ask God for the universe. Ask God for this city. Ask God for this community. Ask God for something that scares you. Number three, There's something I really want for you, and that's to move when the Spirit says move. I can only imagine what would happen to Whatcom County if God's people followed the prompting and the leading of the Holy Spirit every single time he said, move or go? I mean, what if we were the kind of people who walked into a coffee shop just like this one? And God said, hey, you see the person sitting in the corner wiping tears away? I need you to go and sit across from them. You're gonna be my representative today. What if instead of procrastinating, which by the way is never spoken about in a positive light anywhere in scripture, what if instead of procrastinating, saying, well, I'll get to it or I'm gonna just sit here and watch for a little while, what if we instantaneously said, yes, God? What if we just moved when the Spirit said move? Move. This is my favorite quote from any book other than the Bible. It was written by a monk centuries ago and he said this, the only condition necessary for this state of self-surrender is the present moment in which the soul as light as a feather, as fluid as water, as innocent as a child, respond to every moment of grace like a floating balloon. Such souls are like molten metal filling whatever vessel God chooses to pour them into. Galatians 5 says, since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Do you know what I want for you and what I hope you would want for me? That every time God prompted, we would move. And that we would trust Him with the results that happened when God's people are walking with the spirit and are in step with the spirit and follow the pace of the spirit and unapologetically move because we know whatever it is that he's up to is good. It's good. Let me give you a couple more. As a shepherd, as a pastor, as your friend, as your brother, this is something that I would want for you. I would want for you that if you are married—and I'm not saying or assuming that all of us are—but if you're married, that you would have a marriage worth dying for. You've heard me say this before. Uh, I, I do this little thing whenever I do a wedding ceremony. There was actually a couple sitting here in about the third row at the 9:30 service. I did this to Nick as a part of their wedding ceremony. I, I stop right in the middle of my little sermon and I look at the groom and I say, I'm gonna ask you a question and if you get the answer wrong, I'm leaving and you're gonna have to find somebody else to do your wedding. And when people realize I'm not kidding, (laughs) it gets really quiet and then I look at the groom and I ask this question. We all need to know, would you die for her? I've heard some good answers over the last 30 years. And normally there's tears involved. And normally, the bride's heart melts when, when he stammers out something along the lines of, I would, without a, without a second thought. It's beautiful. You know what I would want for you? I would want for you to have a marriage and a relationship like that. I see so many couples giving up now in the midst of all of the pressure and all of the things that are going on and the fact that we've had to be a little, bit more, uh, a little bit more intertwined with each other because of proximity issues and stuff like that to the marriages of CTK. You know what I want for you? I want for you to not give up. I want for you to keep fighting. I want for you to die to yourself. Die to your opinion, die to your preference, and keep following Jesus because Jesus set us the perfect example because when his father asked him, would you die for her, meaning the bride of Christ, us, his answer was absolutely, and then he actually did it. Here's another one. I I so want this for all of you that you'd have a friendship worth investing in. John 15 says, greater love is no one than this that a man would lay down his life for his friends. I pray regularly for our church that, that we are a place where no one has to stand alone or by themselves. I've had to say goodbye to way too many friends in the last 18 months or so. For whatever reason, God keeps calling many of my friends home to be with him and it happened again this past week. Garrett Byman was a a faithful member of our church council for years. Garrett was a a tough, crotchety, wonderful, godly old Dutchman. It's the only way that I could say it. And if he was sitting right here, he would laugh. One of the things that I appreciated about Garrett is there were times when I would say, Garrett, I just, I so disagree with you in your opinion. And this was always his response. That's okay. We can disagree. Years ago, I got to take about a six week break, and I wanted to do a project in my backyard. And Garrett came and hung out in my backyard with me, and he helped me build a fire pit. I love that little corner of our backyard because it, it just reminds me of, of Garrett. And he'd show up, and we'd work for a little while, and, and then we'd sit on the edge of my deck. And, and we had one rule we weren't allowed to talk about church. And he, he followed that rule to the letter. And I remember one day I just asked him a question. I said, So, Garrett, you've been around for a long time. I just want, like, can you give me some wisdom as a younger pastor? This is what he said Never get too far from dirt. You know what I want for you? That you'd never get too far from dirt. That you would never become so self sufficient that in a moment when you need God more than anything, that you'd fall to your knees and remember that you came from dirt and you're going back to dirt, that you would have that moment when you say, God, I just need you to help me. You know what I can tell you today? The emptiness in my heart, knowing I don't have to go back to the Christian healthcare center to see Garrett on Saturday morning, the emptiness in my heart is actually a trophy to how much his friendship meant to me. And I want that for you. If you have friends that you can count on, that you can disagree with strongly, but that stay with you. Let me give you a couple more. Something that I want for you. I I, I want a purity worth sacrificing for for all of you in a number of different contexts. Ephesians 5 says, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's people. Let me talk to all of us for just a second, not just young people, but all of us. My prayer for you, this is what I so want for you, is that you would take everything the world has taught you about sex and relationships, and that you just forget it, wipe it from your memory banks, and do purity the way God has called you to do it purity in sexuality, purity in relationship, purity in language, purity in confrontation, purity in the way that you actually have a conversation with somebody, that we would be pure, that we would have pure mouths, pure minds, pure eyes, pure ears, pure hands, because God is pure. And that we would be the kind of people that anytime we stepped in the wrong direction when it came from purity, that we'd remember that God is a God of forgiveness and love, grace, and mercy, and that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just, and will forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and that we'd go back and start with the ending. There's something else I want for you is that, and that I hope you would want for me, is that you would give your life to a commission that's worth living out the Bible says therefore go and make disciples of all nations my prayer for us as a church is that when Jesus tells us to go that we would go and can I tell you something he already told us to go so we should be going going to our neighbor going to the people down the street going to people in need that we see in our community going to our city going to our county not just to have a social interaction but to actually have a spiritual interaction to speak of Jesus You know what I want for you? That you would never check Jesus at the door. That you'd never leave him outside of a realm. I get asked to pray at at civic or community gatherings every once in a while. And and there have been situations where people have said to me, Grant, we really want you to come and pray. But as part of your invocation, if you could do us a favor, please don't pray in the name of Jesus because it's a little offensive to this group, this group, or this group. And I'm just like, then with all due respect, I'm gonna have to say, I'm not going to be able to fulfill that request because I'm on Team Jesus. He saved my life. I only have one uniform, and that's the uniform of Jesus. And I will never check him at the door because he's my king. Which means he goes through the door first, and I follow him. That's how it works. What I want for you is that that you would live out his commission to you. Therefore, go. A couple more. I would love this for you, that you would have a trust worth acting on. I'm not saying this because our finances are down. In fact, you have been incredibly faithful and generous. I'm saying this because God wants us all to live free of, the, of the, the things that just easily distract us in the world today. That's why Malachi says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and see if I won't pour out so much blessing on you that you can't even contain it. My prayer for you is that you would love God enough to trust him enough to release everything you have to him and follow his principles of stewardship. Why? Because they work. Because <laughs> they actually give you Freedom. And here's the last one. It's something that I would so love for you. That you'd have a faith worth everything. Galatians 2 says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That you would never forget how much God loves you. This would be my prayer, that you would have a vibrant faith that lives above the noise of the world, that you have a faith that at times might scare you, but you're calmed down again because you worship the Prince of Peace, that you would have a faith that challenges you, a faith that causes you to pray the impossible, a faith that knows no boundaries and is summed up with a two-word response every time God prompts you, yes, God. Hey, Grant, I, I need you to go next door and tell your neighbors that I love them yes God hey Grant I I need you to go and meet that person's need a financial need I know you're strapped right now but I I need you to do this and to give out of a heart of generosity because I promise you that if you do it's it's gonna do something in your heart you've never experienced before yes God Hey, Grant, you know that thing that's way down deep in your soul that just scares you and you just don't know exactly, you don't even know how it could work out logically? I need you to ask me for that. Yes, God. My prayer for this group of people and all those of you who are watching online right now is that your whole week would be summed up Oh, I so want this for you, and I so want this for me, that your entire week would be summed up with this response. Yes, God. I'm not sure how you wrap up your coffee times with your friends, but um, and normally don't have this big... uh, I don't know about you, but with, when I say goodbye to my friends at a coffee shop, we don't have this great big formal thing. Normally, I just kind of, you know, we stand up, and we put our car keys in our pocket, and if I'm with my friend, like Bob Marvel from Cornwall, we always hug each other, and, and, and then we just kind of go on with life. So, thanks for giving me an hour. Thanks for hanging out in the coffee shop. Thank you for hearing what I would like for you. And thank you for being the kind of church that would want exactly the same things for me because these are things that Jesus wants for us. And I hope you have a great week and I hope we get a chance to do this again. Thanks for having coffee. God willing, maybe we could do something like that again next week. God bless you guys. Have a good weekend.